0: Bet with the biggest, win with the best, only at my bookie. Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity
1: gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device, and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Don't try to run.
2: They don't
3: understand me I, Most of the time they have people understanding me So they'll understand you
2: <laughs> Okay
3: Because <laughs> I, I, get, I get loud And then I, I break speakers
2: Yeah
3: <laughs> You know <laughs> Before we start uh, We have Rodrigo Torres right here What's up fool? What's happening Rodrigo in the house? Felipe Esparza We have a special guest right here f- All the way from Pico Gardens Housing Projects and when he moved out of the projects across the street <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's
3: true, he's one of the people man that I was like, yeah, I know somebody who doesn't live in, in the projects. He lives across the street, b- behind the alley." <laughs> and um, we, um, so we, we're, we're, we're just talking we're going to introduce him right now, but I'm going to just talk- tell you a little bit about him, um, how I met him. When I first got to uh, Boyle Heights, I lived across the street from a park called Pecan Park. But if you guys listening to here who, are, who know the park, you probably say, oh, I know Can." So, <laughs> so we live across the street uh, by, the, by this building, and I used to see this man carry a bag full of baseballs and bats and helmets. And he used to coach Little League. Across the street from the park. And I didn't know anybody. So I started playing across the street at the park. Um, Every time, like, after batting practice, they would lose a baseball or something. And I'd go find it and keep it. (laughs) And uh, so this one day, there was this lady across next to me who who lived, like, across from me. I think her name, I don't know her name, but she was an old uh, Mexican woman. And... She lived by herself, and she had a lot of dolls next door. Like, her whole house was dolls. She had a lot of dolls. And she was picking up cats or just walking her dog. And I was standing there with my brother, and she found a bag full of balls and bats. And I guess Ray Escalero had forgot it, right? So I saw that as an opportunity to get in. <laughs> I said I will befriend this guy, and I was a little kid. I probably been twelve, but you know, I was already I already knew how to be manipulative probably, or because of selling my mom's Avon, I knew how to sell myself. So I saw that this lady saw me, and she goes, "Do you know who these balls are?" I said, um, "Kind of." So "I know whose balls those are," and then she said, "Can you t- tell him? You know, if he needs them." I said, yeah, he's going to need those balls. And then he goes, tell him who has them. And I said, yeah, or, or you could just give it to me, you know, and I'll give it to him. And she said, "Nah, I'll give it to him. <laughs> I would open up my own little league or something, She's probably thought, you know. <laughs> I think she was a hoarder, man. She had a million dolls in her house. So one day I saw Ray, and he was like, like he knew that he didn't have the balls, you know, so he showed up. And I felt bad because he had like a bag. And they had like brand new balls, and I was like, "Damn, man, this is a badass balls." Then I walked up to him and I told him, "Hey, Ray, did you lose your, your your? I know you lost your balls, and or or your assistant coach left them behind, Paul or Bobby or Larry or somebody, Larry Moe or Jack." <laughs> so he said, "Yes." How did you know? And I said, "Yeah, the woman over there." And he knew the lady, like he knew what lady it was. And he goes, "Thank you." And I fool bought me a Pepsi. He bought me a Pepsi, and he said, yeah, man, anytime you want to hang out, come hang out. And let me tell you, man, every time I caused damage at that park, you know, this is before I lived in the projects, I would use him, hey, man, I found Ray Escalera balls, okay? (laughs) And they will leave me alone. Like this this guy named Joe at the park, he will see me, like, turning on the water, you know, or the man. Remember that? Okay, so... We're here with Ray Escalera, by the way, a friend of mine. He's a, a Vietnam veteran. I knew that because everybody would ask me. I would tell people, you know, well, how come we talk like that? Oh man, this fool walked into a minefield, or, or everybody had a story. Ray, like they say, they, oh man, you know how it is in Vietnam. They will put Mexicans and blacks in the front lines. <laughs> and they get shot first, and white people can get all the medals. <laughs> So, everybody had a story, like, I remember some guy said, what happened, bro? He used to be a boxer, bro, you know, or or stuff like that, but we're here with the man, the myth, the legend, the coach, father of Pickle Gardens, a very good man that... This guy was like a mentor to everybody. Like, if you needed porn, he had it. No, nah, just kidding. <laughs> nah, man. He was just a good dude. A, a good dude. Like, he would tell you, hey, where's my red tape now? Nah. <laughs> no, nah, he was, he was a, a good dude. Like, this guy was one of those guys, you know, in, in the neighborhood that you need to, like, you, you, you just, no matter where he's at, he will always tell you hello. Like, even if you're down on your luck, he will always pass by and say, hey, how you doing? And they will always, no matter what you're doing, you will straighten up your mouth, fix your breath and go, hey, hey, Ray Escalera, how you doing there? And they will just go back to walk around being crazy again. <laughs> nobody wanted to be or look like a fool around Ray Escalera. Like, if he knew you as a little boy and now you're a fuck up or PCP or something, if you see Ray coming, you will go across the street. Like, if you, you, would re, you would rather see your mom see you all tore up than Rey Escalera. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I got to know him. And a lot of you guys have seen me do interviews where I talk about how did I start being a comedian. Well, Rey Escalera's house. My brother Angel, he was a good friend of his son, Rey Escalera, because Rey Escalera used to coach my brother Angel. They were the A's. Or back then, they weren't really the A's. They were the they were the team with the letter A. Because back then, man, the major leagues had marketing, and you couldn't really Peacock Park. We couldn't really have like a we had we didn't have that many good uniforms. You, if you were the Dodgers, you were just a team with a letter D, or you were sponsored by Jim Burgers or Bell <laughs> <Yeah>. Bondsman, <laughs> or the back of your T-shirt of say Allen Bees. <laughs> Rey <laughs> Escalera, Dr. Barr, Reyes Escalera was good at marketing, man. He would knock at people's houses, hey, Arrieta Market, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> so we're here with, let's introduce yourself, Reyes Escalera, how you doing, sir?
2: Oh, I'm doing great, Felipe, I'm just trying to hang in that's all. <laughs> <laughs> was that crazy, reminiscing? <laughs> yeah, this, and it's still going on because I, I missed. Yeah, uh, where I came from, and I go there once in a while just to go back to where my roots uh, are from.
3: <laughs> it's funny, like, um, we were just talking, you know, I was um, talking to people, like, they, they always, like, there's, there's actually a page called Pico Aliso Page on Facebook. Where everybody from the projects, they throw in little things. Do you remember this? Do you remember that? It's like um, you you might be from Pico Aliso, if if Ray Escalera taught you how to throw a curve, or you might be from Aliso Pico Aliso, if Lou Hazen made you do push-ups for an hour. <laughs> that was my coach. It's another guy. It's an old man. I think he was German. Was he German? No,
2: no, no. I don't know what it was. He was just a good guy, good man. He was another veteran, right? Yes, yes. And he had polio, and he still went out there and gave up his time to work with kids. He
3: was my first coach. You know, like, when I
2: started playing across the street from
3: the park, like, when I I found one of your balls, it was funny because we were playing baseball right there and Lou Hazen was walking around, and then somebody said, hey, bro, that, that's the guy who coaches, huh? I said, yeah, yeah, bro. He, I think he's looking for, for guys to coach for Little League next season. All right, bro, throw me an underhand pitch, eh? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: so he threw me an underhand pitch with a hard ball, and I whacked it! And, and Lou Hazen turned around. I mean, his whole body didn't turn around. He just turned his waist. And he, and he saw, he goes, my God. <laughs> And I hit the ball far, right? But he didn't see that the ball was pitched underhand. I swear to God, or I kid you not, when they were pitch, when they were picking players, man, he made the worst mistake of his life. He picked me first. An
1: imposter. <laughs>
3: he picked me first. And I said, Oh my God. Oh man, the pressure
1: is on. I'm gonna start doing a lot of push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Mr. Escalera, are you from Boyle Heights? Is that where you grew up?
2: Yeah, uh, no, I'm from the country. I came from Fresno. Okay. Uh from uh uh farmers uh, we used to live in camps. Uh where our families would work in the fields.
3: Oh, you a migrant worker? Yes. You guys came from another state or from no, Mexico? From
2: from Fresno.
3: Fresno?
1: From that what uh, San Joaquin Valley right there?
3: There you go. That's it. That's Valley So it's funny it's like a, there's a comedian that does a joke, you know, and sometimes I do it too. He goes, <laughs> he goes, yeah, um, uh, man, my mom, my my father, he was a boxer. My dad was a boxer. Yeah, they boxed graves, tomatoes, oranges.
2: <laughs>
1: and when did you get to Boyle Heights? Uh,
2: in 1959.
1: 1959. Yeah, my first
2: day at Pickle Gardens, I got beat up pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's the project for you, man. In 59? Yeah, wow. and I got beat up because I, the kid left the swing and I went and got on it, so I I wouldn't get off and he beat me up. That's okay because I told my nephew, and he came over, he, he, he told me, Where is it. He, I told him he, he went and beat him up. <laughs> <laughs> Keep the cycle going. Yeah. yeah. So he helped me out that day. How old were you? At that time, 13. So you moved into the
3: projects in 59? Yes. Were, were the housing projects back then the same as they were when I was there? No. No? It was no. smaller or more dirt?
2: Uh, No, they had... You know, it's a pavement. They didn't have uh, a water. It's basically uh, all pa- pavement. It wasn't cement. Oh, you know? but uh, everything else, basically, the the what if you remember the projects were different. Were all the same color.
3: Yeah, they were green.
2: Yeah, they were. No, they were blue.
3: they were blue back all there. All blue.
2: Every one of them. Okay. But not, and then one day they started paying them different, you know. Were the projects all Latino when you were there? No, most most of it I would say seventy-five to eighty uh, percent. It was a um, uh, black, black, wow, yes. But the lethal side was almost a hundred percent.
3: There were people over there, huh?
2: Yeah, yeah, It were. It was different.
3: When did you start seeing like the the? When you, so you were one of the first Latino Mexicans Americans to move into the Pico Gardens, or, or there were already a lot of them, um, or Native Americans.
2: There was a, a a few families already living there when I got there.
3: What family was living there when you got there that was still living there when I got there? Uh, I'm outdoors, no.
2: Y- y- uh, yeah, Freddie and the. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would have to say yes, yes.
3: The Amador family was there first?
2: Well, you know what? I don't remember what year you came in.
3: I came I, in in 79. Oh,
2: God. You know what? No, that, they, they were already there. Oh. They were already there.
3: Yeah. When, when, I, when I talked to, my, I, I talked to um, other people from the housing projects we grew up at, like the Enos. And I, and they remember yeah. Enos? Yeah. You, Rodney Enos, right. Robert Enos, Nelson, who doesn't drink no more. Yeah. Um, Taya. T- Taya, yes, Taya. Taya. And they tell me that they moved in in 63 or
2: 67. They told me they moved in there. I don't remember the time, but uh, the Eno family, well, I coached uh, uh, one of the, the girls, and my son used to hang around with the, the, the brothers. So uh, once you
3: grew up right there, when did you when did you start working? Because I remember I, I read um, on your Facebook, on, on your son's Facebook, that you used to, you um used to work for a, a man who I never I just seen a couple of times, George, of he he owned property, right? George Barnes. George Barnes. Yeah, because yeah, you used to work at the liquor store, don't, didn't you? Yes. When you were a kid.
2: Yeah. But I was only getting twenty-five dollars a week for twelve hours a day. Damn! That was
3: under the table. That was way <laughs> under the table, man. That's like under the rug. <laughs> <laughs>
1: huh? Oh, okay. <laughs> <He was laughs> violating child labor laws. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, there wasn't no child labor, but I don't think I started working at twelve years old running a company called Magic of California in Glendale Magic stuff? Uh no where there was the ceramics Oh but without me they couldn't do anything because I'm the one that mixed all the chemicals and everything and from what I did everybody else was able to do the job so if I didn't show up you know uh i had been in a lot of trouble. At twelve? At twelve years old. So I think Glendale,
3: right? Yes. Was it was Glendale called tropical back then? No, it was all Glendale, huh? Yeah. Were there a lot of Armenians already, Russians? Yes.
1: Yep. even at that time, there was already. Yeah.
3: Okay.
1: yeah. Mm. Still working over there.
3: My friend, come on, my friend.
1: Yeah. yeah. And how were you traveling from Boyle Heights to Glendale at that time? A bus, the RTD.
2: I was good. I was good. Uh, uh, as soon as I got out of school at twelve, I'd go home, get to catch the bus downtown, and then I'd go to work and get out at two in the morning, and then I would come back home all white because the stuff that I made is brown, but once it dries, it's all white. You know, i come home like a snowman every day. <laughs> <laughs> you were 12? I was 12. Wow. It, it's funny.
3: Like, you know. right now, people are listening, saying to themselves, I would never let my son get on a bus when he's 12. There's people out there who are shocked that there's kids. It was, a, But people, let me tell you, it was a different time. You know, people needed money, man. And there was more jobs for 12-year-olds.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know what, that's, that's absolutely true because when we came to Los Angeles, we never had switches, light switches.
3: Light switches? Yeah,
2: so we used to play with them. I said, look, look, it, it turns on the light, you know. And then we had a toilet. And said when you flushed it, everything went down. We never had a toilet. We never had running water in the house. My mom used to just take us a shower in a thing you know, like a big old round, I guess, bucket. Yeah, big one. One of those
3: big old red jacuzzi. jacuzzis. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we used to use the restroom in the coffee can. Each one of us had our own can. For was the... The, the my my favorite. <laughs> <The> preferred <laughs> oh, yeah, Your own Folgers can? you had your yeah, own so Folgers your old can. can? Yeah. I have memories. Yeah. I wish I could have saved it. That was your restroom. <laughs> that was your restroom, A uh, Folgers can? Yes.
1: Wow. Yes. Every night. You had to be precise to make it in that little can, huh? Oh,
2: yeah, but we had a little butt then.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: not like now, man. <laughs> no, not now. Finish the rim with brim.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so moving to L.A. was really, you know, something else. Because, you know, we came from a farm. We worked on the farm. We come to Los Angeles, the big city, and we think, "God, look at this! It has walls. It, it's so smooth because we didn't have walls. We had just the studs. That's all we had, you know, the the piece of wood."
3: If you say, like, we have a three-bedroom house over here, but you put up the curtains.
2: Yeah, they you go. That's what we used to It was do. all
1: framed out, yeah, and then you didn't have any drywall, i sure, yeah, or insulation on No, no, on
2: we didn't have drywall nothing like that.
1: Straight you know, casas de madera style.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's all. And then we come here and say, ah, no more, no more farming. That's it. <laughs> what happens, we wind up in Anaheim picking strawberries and asparagus,
1: you know. What years were those?
2: Uh, that was in probably 70, wait a minute. no, 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 uh, yeah, in about 61, 62, wow, yeah, you know, right there where he's, the place that he's talking about where he picked
3: strawberries and asparagus, that place is called Disney California Disney now, yep, and that's where it used to be, because I remember... Me and my brother Angel yeah. and B.B., remember Beebe? Oh, Yeah, yeah. We yeah. found a, a, a wallet with eighty dollars at Dodger Stadium, <laughs> and the next day we took the the bus, the four sixty, yeah, to Disneyland, and it, it stopped right there on on where, where um, California Disney is right now, and we and we went to um, Disneyland to sneak in. Is that the one on? Yes, yeah. That's that's where the that's that's where the bus stops exactly by Sears. Yeah, the 460. That's right. And um, we went to Disneyland, and if you guys don't know, that that's where he picked strawberries at on California Disney. Yep, (laughs)
2: long time ago. Long time ago.
3: California Adventure, actually. That's where that's where the strawberry fields used to be before they built. Because they were there for a while.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Be be honest with you. Boy, nothing existed there. Disneyland wasn't as big as, as it is now, you know? Was Disneyland open already? ah uh, yeah. But it was yeah. tiny, huh? It was a lot smaller than it is now, you know?
3: Now it's, it's real big. You know it's funny, man? They build California Adventure. They build Disney, but... The, the 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 employees are st- are still Mexican. Except they're not picking strawberries, they're giving you a soda. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, they're, the oh, they're cleaning the toilets. <laughs>
2: we have a great a friend of ours, Gracie Pollock, who used to live right here in the project. She's been working at California Disney uh yeah, about 20 years. gracie been working there for 20 years? Yeah, and one day she met a friend of mine who worked at PECAN. He went and got a job at Disneyland, too. And they were talking, and she said, I used to have a boyfriend named Ray. He was in Vietnam. I said, uh, Did you happen to know him? She oh, sure, I know him. I got his number. You want a picture of him? And she couldn't believe it You know I mean When you find someone Just like that It's weird It's weird Well Grace
3: kept it a secret For 20 years working there man If she would have told everybody We would all got him free (laughs) You know what happened When you live in the projects man We're like a little Enclosed village We're like outside Of Los Angeles When they mention Boyle Heights They're not thinking about us they're thinking about they're thinking about east of Boyle Street, or once you get up first and Boyle, fourth and Boyle, sixth and Boyle, seventh and Boyle. East of that is what they consider Boyle Heights, because we're like the flats. We're Boyle, We're by the Pico Liso Housing Projects. There was no. You we would have to. You would have to be in. You would. If you want to walk to Safeway? You would have to walk with six people, or else. You're gonna get confronted by three different gangs on the way to the market, <laughs> and Third Street yeah. was ready. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like when we grow, like when we used to walk to school, we we it would have to be like we can't just walk to school like a normal kid. We had the project route, go around the tunnels. There you go. Remember the
2: tunnels? Yeah. yes. <laughs> go through the park. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, I don't know if the bridge was still there. There was a bridge that went, you know, afterwards they made a small bridge. But they used to have a big old bridge that took a drive over. Over, six, over the bridge, before uh, they built a the five, right? Yeah, yeah. The Sixth Street Bridge. Because on Sixth Street, there's a corner and there's like a yard, looks like a yard, like a little park. That was all part of Hollenbeck Park, you know, and people, in the old times, you you could drive over that bridge, but it doesn't exist anymore, you know, I don't know when they took it down, just like the Angel Flight, when I used to go down there and deliver papers, uh, I'd get up at two in the morning, and go down there, and get all my papers together, and then, Go start delivering them to the Ambassador Hotel, uh, you know, to ice on the Third Street Tunnel, and, you know, I went to a lot as a kid, that yeah, we had to do something to make money, shine shoes, I, I used to be good at shining shoes. <laughs> where did you shine shoes at, downtown? <laughs> downtown, Central Market. Central that was, Market? That was where you went. That's what,
3: that's what, did you ever uh, make, uh, there used to be a guy when, when I was in rehab who lived in Echo Park and he used to shine shoes and all the, all, the, all, the, all the Rampart police officers used to drop off his shoes and sometimes like, but he was a heroin addict. But he was shining shoes. He said that he used to make that noise when he's buffing them yeah, to yeah. make it sound like he's yeah. buffing them real good. Did you ever make that noise?
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> if you ever get your shoe shines and if you hear this noise, <laughs> That's not your shoes. That's the shoe shine guy making you think that he's buffing them.
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
3: That's a trick, yeah. huh?
2: Yeah, if people really shine shoes. You hear that flapping. That's the shoe shine, you know? And I was good at my job. Yeah. <laughs> did you have the whole shoe shop, the sho- shoe box
3: gear, or did you make your own ha, one?
2: Ha, um, I made my own one, me and my friend Mike. He's the one that really used to work, try to find jobs, so wherever he went, he would tell me, and you know, I'd go join him. Sell newspapers on Seventh Street, Seventh and Alameda, and Central and all that area. And then I, when I started uh, my own route, they would pay me forty dollars uh, to deliver throughout uh, uh, downtown LA.
3: A week or a day? A month. A month. Wow. That
1: was the LA Times? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Forty dollars a month. And how were you?
2: Uh, at that time probably around fourteen. Yeah. About fourteen. Yeah.
3: So that was like a, that was probably your second job then?
2: I did all kinds of stuff, you know. I, I mean uh, the only thing I didn't do was sell oranges. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the big thing now. <laughs> I know, man. You know what's funny? Like,
3: growing up, where you grew up, because we both grew up in the same spot, I think every kid had a hustle. Like, every kid, whether it was the legitimate way or the illegitimate way, every kid I knew growing up had a hustle. Because when I was a kid, I don't know, man, I used to go to the factories, like, at 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning with my brother Angel and David and all the kids. And we would go to the watermelon factory, and they would throw watermelons away that were rotten, yeah. but we would clean them up and stuff our, our shopping cart full of watermelons, and then we sell sell them to the, the employees on the way home for a yeah. dollar each. Yeah, right. Do you ever hit the pickle factory? Yes. <laughs> they also used to be, on a, in Aliso Village, was a pickle factory. Yeah. And I never went there because I heard that everybody used to steal pickles from there and sell them. <laughs> One one time this guy from Pimera Flats, I was at the swimming pool and um this guy brought a whole barrel full of um full of pickles and um he was telling everybody to grab a pickle but when I put my hand in there there were sliced pickles. <laughs> so <laughs> I got a slice pickle. So um when did you um when did you like just during those times when you were around, um pick um making those twelve dollars a week at the at the supermarket or at the liquor <laughs> store at the um and delivering papers for forty dollars a month when did you like start associating yourself with pecan park and playing little league Did you play little league there
2: i i wound up, they found me on the pitchers mound at pecan park drunk I gave up on my life. I had no more reason to live. So as I was asleep, this young man came, and he woke me up and asked me if I would move. And uh, I said yes, and then I asked him, what are you going to do? He says, we're going to practice baseball. I go, oh, okay, and then I was really drunk. I said, where's your coach? You know, we don't have one." And I, I just looked at him and I said, "I'll be your coach." And you know, they looked at each other like, "Yeah, right here, you're gonna be here," <laughs> you know. <laughs> so what happened? You had I, Walter Matthau, how bad you embarrassed. So what happened? I tell them. Okay, look, so I'll be here tomorrow, okay, at 10 o'clock, all right? And they, they thought I wouldn't be there, and sure enough, I showed up. And from that point on, I had a reason to live. I It it, it, it began really with children. That's
3: so this was after Vietnam? Yes, oh. so
2: after Vietnam. So,
3: you, so, when it went, you got drafted or you volunteered? No, I, I, I volunteered. Like a, soldier, <laughs> no. like a soldier, people?
2: No. Like a soldier,
3: people. He volunteered.
2: <laughs> no. No. I, I, they gave us two, three, or four. And I said, just give me two. <laughs> yeah. I volunteer. <laughs> yeah. That's why it was
3: like the. I thought you were like the Richard Pryor. I thought you were gonna say it was like the Richard Pryor joke, how they were drafting people in Vietnam: go to jail or go to war. <laughs> 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 uh, no. What did what what? All right, leh. Ray's wife just cut in Lupita said that he didn't wanna his his her mother forced him to join because he got her pregnant. <laughs> Isn't is your oldest old son was this? What son? Raul. Raul, Raleigh. Raleigh. Yeah, so so what happened was the wife just said that she was pregnant and Ray said, Well, gotta go to the
2: army, get a medal <laughs> Marine's my bad. Yeah, Marine Corps. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Nine
3: <later>. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, where was your your first your boot camp? Where was your boot camp? Like your first? That was when you left Los Angeles. Was that your first time leaving California? L A. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where did, Where did they ship you to?
2: Uh, San Diego. Oh, for for a uh, boot camp training. El Toro or Pendleton? No, no, MCRD. That's the Marine Corps Recruit Training Depot. Oh. Yeah, I, and I was only there at that time because of the war, only eight weeks. Once did the eight weeks, they give you uh, 30 days, and then you're off to war. A 30-day off? 30-day off.
3: So what, what did you do for those 30 days? Got married?
2: Oh, I yeah, guess. You say that. Do you know what? Yeah. yeah, we did get married. Yeah, yeah, we got married.
3: So you were 19 years old. That's the time I had my kid too. 19. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. You
3: yeah. The service. No, I didn't join the service, man. <laughs> I joined the Salvation Army. <laughs> 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 so, what, what, you, how was boot camp after? well So you trade They trained you as a marine for eight weeks with a drill sergeant. At and all that, At that time, yes. with it a lot of all? Was it all
2: Chicanos, all Mexican, or all mixed? It was mixed, but it, the history of the Marine Corps, especially during the Vietnam War, more. Uh, Latinos came from East but Borough Heights, but uh, still... in, those, in those areas, No, and just the Borough Heights and, else, you know, that area. East LA. Than any other city, you know. And when I heard that, because they announced it, you know, I was, uh, I said, Damn, you know, uh, we did our job. Latinos, you know, got in there and did what we had to do, you know, and no other city can claim that, but we can, you know. So at least I, you know, I'm kind of, I kind of like that.
1: Very cool.
3: That's good. That the, most of the, the people they they chose, they drafted, were from East Harlem, Borough High School. were killers.
2: No, they, no, more, a lot of the guys they signed up. They
3: signed up, They, huh? they
2: signed up, <laughs> yeah. You know, in the projects at that time, where you have nothing, there's nothing for you. Nothing. Nothing. You know what kind of work are you gonna do as a kid? You know, you're 18 years old. You don't welfare, you don't have no money, you can't go to college because you have to pay for everything, bus, everything. So, when, what other choice do you have?
3: And keep in mind, people, that our address is the projects, and there's a lot of warehouses, businesses, million dollar businesses all around our neighborhood. But every time we would try to apply there, and once they knew our address or you live in the projects, they would rip the application. They did not hire nobody from the projects, people. Not till Father Greg came in, not till
2: 30 years later. Am I right or wrong? You're right. Damn. Absolutely right. Father Greg, you know, at first, a lot of people didn't care for him because he was only uh, helping the guys that were involved with the gangs. But as time went on, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I've seen a lot of changes. Father Greg went through a lot to do what he, he had to do. And now, you know, when you, you, you see what he's done, I mean, what more do we want, you know? As long as uh, he's there, uh, people will always, fly, you know, go to him for help. And he helped him out, you know. So I'm grateful for that, you know, even though I don't live there. I know that a lot of people there are there being helped, and that's great.
3: Yeah, Father Greg Boyle, he's a guy that, um, he's, a, he's a priest, and he used to have a, a youth program um, for, for on Fridays. And um, he's the guy that sent me to rehab when I quit. Messing around twenty years ago, that's when he was on with jobs with the future. So, when you got to, um right, right after the eight weeks of um, training in San Diego, where did you ship you to? Vietnam. Vietnam, Saigon, or uh, no, Danang. Were they hot when you got? To, what was? What was the? When you first got off the the plane, what was like the the first thought? Like maybe I'm not in Kansas
2: anymore, or. Uh... I was so scared because I, ne- I never saw so many helicopters firing. Uh, you can hear the round one because they make a sound round. Mm-hmm. At first, I didn't understand it, you know. But uh, once you get there, then you you learn, you know. One time, uh, uh, they, they were shooting uh, throwing mortars at us, and I. For some reason, I wanted to look up to see, and if it wasn't for this corporal, he, be- he pushed my head, r- r- my face right into the dirt. And then after it was over, he told me, never, ever, it c- you could lose your eyesight from the fragment. So you live and learn, right? Yes. That, that's what it's all about You're in war. You have to learn. And the same guy who taught me made a mistake and, and died about four days later after I arrived because he's, he told me never walk over a bridge. And he did, and he died. The bridge blew up? Yeah, the bridge blew up. You know. But, you know, that's war, you know, how long were you there for? Three months. Three months? Yeah. Now, it didn't take too long for them to, you know, get me out of there. At least I'm home. <laughs> but, you <know. laughs> did you get, like, did you get shot? Yeah, I got shot in the face. I lost my majority of my teeth and my tongue. I'm half pale uh am from from uh, my face. Um, my leg, uh, my shoulder, a little bit in my head fragments, and that's about it. But that's enough to send me home. <laughs> that's all I cared about. I was on my way home, you know. So
3: you go home, and you go home, um, and you were hurt, right? You needed help. You were you needed to recover.
2: Yeah, I stood in the hospital over a year.
3: A year, you were doing the hospital for two years. What was that? What was that like, Ray? Would you just going? What were you thinking? Was it just like? Did you ever like feel like I should just give up? Would you like fighting for your life? Pray, no, were you praying?
2: No, because while I was in there, there were, there were guys coming in with brain injuries, uh, no legs, no arms. Uh, <coughs> some in a vegetable state where they can't move anything but their head. Uh there were just too many things, you know. So as as we as I saw those things, you know, then I I thought to myself, I'm just lucky that one day I'll be able to walk and move around. But these people will never ever be able to do that. You know. So, and then, that's, that's, and then uh, I was never really ever promoted. You know, like, I, I, I went in as a private, and I came home as a private. <laughs> 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 but uh, it's because they lost me in the system, and then they gave me my stripes over here in, in uh, Waterworth by UCLA. Yeah, but... And never were warm. Who cares?
1: <laughs> in those two years you were in the hospital, that was a lot of re- rehabilitation for you?
2: Yeah, I had to learn how to talk again. Um, uh, they were running a lot of tests on my tongue, and you know, to put needles in there and then turn on electricity to see if it were moved. And my leg wounds were still wide open it's just a lot of things that I went through, you know. I would come home. I came home one day in a cast, and as soon as I got home, I'm in the bathtub trying to remove it, and as soon as I got it off, it was like a, a volcano, you know, a pus. Yeah. It was. It was hurting me so bad. I left that same day. Got on the bus, and suffered all the way down to San Diego, you know, until they got me in there. Once they got me in there, they gave me a shot for the pain. double so wasn't no more and they put me in ICU, you know.
1: But And were you in a veterans hospital in those two years?
2: Uh, no, I, I was still in the Marine Corps. Oh, okay. So I was under them. Even when they transferred me over here to uh uh Wadsworth, I was still I'm really at that time. You know, um,
3: on uh, that's heartbreaking, man. That, you, do you, you felt your leg? It hurt, and so much that you just took it out, and it was like it was bad then, huh?
2: It was really, really infected. You know, they just had to put that cast on me, and uh, I, you know, I go ahead.
3: Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No. Go ahead. Yeah. Just
2: put. The, you
3: know, you you see that story, and I'm think back about this, this Facebook comment that you said. Um, I think two weeks ago when you were at the Veterans Hospital and you were visiting, you were there, and it's sad. It made me sad because I never heard that. That um, and then you said you were there to get your checkup, and um. And then some. Um, and what, what was that? What was that comment that somebody said when somebody was at the hospital? I think they said, attention. Oh,
2: yeah. Uh, I didn't know this. This was the second time I had seen that done. Uh, uh, But uh, they were bringing out a veteran, and he had American flag draped over him. And as soon as someone saw him coming, they yelled out, attention. And we all stop where we're at. we at with salute as he's passing by to honor him and you know it it, it, it you know that that, you know, that for us is a it's kind of wakes wakes you up you know thinking that it could have been you you know or it might be you someday but for us it's it's just anonymous for him. Maybe he can't see it, but we can at least do it. Yeah.
3: Can I can I read one of your one of your comments that you wrote on Facebook? Yeah. It, it was it was it's sad if I just get through this without choking up here. It was Ray wrote, today I was having a good day. I got the shots, but they did not work so now they will be working on my lower back as I was checking out right inside where I went was this young man who had just come from Iraq three years ago his body was so disfigured and I had to say something to him the young girl was his sister and she was the one who took care of him yesterday an LAPD officer died a truck hit him and killed him they showed a a lot of officers following a car carrying his body I thought here is this young man who could not move any part of his body except his eyes. And I felt so bad for him, for his family. His mouth was wide open all the time. But where was his country that he fought for? Why were these veterans not giving the same thing as that officer? He would have to live like that for the rest of his life. He was only 18 when he went to war. It would have been better if he had died I walked up to him and said, Semper and I held his hand. I picked up his hand, and he can only blink his eyes once for yes, two for no. He can't even, anything through his mouth, they give it to him through a tube, and his belly, that's the way it would be for the rest of his life. I can't understand how someone like him could not receive the same treatment as that officer. He died for his life, and if there is a God, please take this young Marine home. When you at when with you with, t- take this Marine home with you, I ask in the name of Jesus. It's just not fair. That was deep, right? I was like, damn. That's what's up. That's what's up. People don't know that um, a Marine, when he goes out there to to fight for war, he's not there to hey like in, like you see in the movies where everybody just ready and they say charge. You know, and they all go out to fight each other, and it's a fair fight. It's not like that, man. Marines are doing the same thing the LAPD is doing over here. They're pretty much the police of the damn world, right or wrong.
1: <clears throat> but unlike the cops, they're actually going to a foreign land, and they're dealing with, you know, what we call maybe uncivilized people. But here it's like, it's like almost law and order, so it's like, you know what I mean? It's way more extreme for a soldier to be, you know, torn to pieces as opposed to, you know, and sides, but nevertheless, it
2: was all a lie. It was just a one big lie. You know, all they needed was to say that a patrol boat, a Vietnamese patrol boat, attacked a warship, a warship. You can imagine how small that uh, patrol boat was compared to a warship that we had there and that was the main reason so many men died because that was Johnson's excuse to involve ourselves in such a war and like in any war you know it hurts me when I talk about you know things that I see in my life like I think I always ask them first when I see a veteran all messed up, I ask him, are you married? And when they tell me no, it makes me happy. Because if he has children, if he has a wife, and they have to see him like that for the rest of his life, I can't deal with it. I really can't. And when I go to the VA, just like a lot of other veterans, we are one. It doesn't matter what branch of service you are in. We are all Americans. We all did what we were supposed to do. But it still hurts when you see a father, a brother, uncle, nephew, or whatever. And for them, they'll never, ever be able to do anything, anything, ever. I don't even know how they feed them, you know. But that's that's what happens when you go to war. I just get mad because if an officer dies... I mean, you know, they spend so much money on gas and, you know, uh, to go salute and take care of them, put his name on the the highway or freeway or whatever. But when you see a vet like him, um, who's there? Who's really there? Nobody, you know, and that's just the way I feel. You know, that's like the so,
1: hardcore unspoken reality of war and the aftermath.
2: Yeah, of uh, Even now, the women for the first time, we have a lot of women that lost their arms, their legs, they got shot in the face, just like I did. You know, this is the first time in history that we have ever had. Well, women hurt so bad, and the bad thing about it is no one even thinks about them.
3: Not even mention the news that women are getting blown up.
2: No, no.
3: But you see women at the VA too.
2: Ah uh, yes, we do, we do. But you know, it's not, it's not something that's common like the men, you know. There, there, a lot of them there, and uh, most of them were in the army. The ones that got hurt, but mostly army. Mm.
1: So, uh, so when you were when you were drunk on top of that pitcher mound, and those kids came to practice, how old were you then? Right before you started coaching?
2: Uh, six. Twenty
3: So. When you were laying there, no, 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 no. when you were laying there drunk, were you just thinking about how everything has ended up for you, and you were just giving up?
2: No, I just gave up. That was it. I didn't care no more.
3: Were you drinking a lot back then?
2: Yeah. Because yeah. when I known you?
3: I think I don't think I ever seen you hold a beer. Oh yeah. But I never seen him. I don't think I ever seen you with a beer. <laughs> no. I mean, growing up, I thought. You used to shoot up Diet Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I never seen you with a beer. I never seen you buzz. I was like, damn, man, that's what I want to be. Cool.
2: She doesn't. She doesn't remember. But I, I was. I used to drink all week long, and then one after I met the kids, then I, I had a reason to to live, you know, to do something. So once I started with the kids, I didn't drink no more during the week. I I cut all that out. But I was also involved uh, in taking medication from the VA. So many of us um, uh, soldiers that came from the projects, a lot of us, a lot of us signed up. You know, and we went, and I think, dude, I don't know if you ever knew Ronnie Simpson, the Simpson family. I know, I know Ronnie the kid, his father. Okay, yeah, I think Ronnie. He has a, a
3: daughter named Tisha, or Tisha Simpson. Yeah, yeah, he's he, yeah, yeah. But Ronnie looked like Richard Pryor. Yeah,
2: okay. yeah Ronnie, Ronnie, Simpson, his his brother, the one that, do say. It uh, looks like uh, Richard Pryor. Yeah. Yeah, he was the first one to leave uh, from Pico Gardens to Vietnam. And then from there we had... Ronnie Dan Chapman and Leonard. And then Henry, uh, Wimpy, and a whole bunch of guys, you know. They all went to war. And, and when everybody came back, we all came back as men. Because when we was we deaf. We were young, you know. We didn't have nothing else. We, beyond we didn't have nothing else, you know. Just like All you, high school drop-outs. you know. All high school dropouts. But uh, Andrew Jackson, uh, the teachers, uh, if you uh, if you said something wrong, uh, they they would tell you. He would confront you and tell you, you want to do something about it. He would send everybody outside and say, Me and you I'm crazy okay, right now. They or else you know those razor straps. Yeah. They used that. Uh, you know. It it was a, a school where they used discipline with the fish if they had to or the paddles, you know.
1: The school hard knocks. Oh yeah, yeah. They, yeah. I
3: think when I was in uh Utah elementary in the late seventies they still give you swats. It was like a paddle with holes on it. Yeah, yeah. I can't still like if you tell kids now that they say, Shut up. Sue. I'll sue you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> can't even touch the kid nowadays. <laughs> uh, t- that's the priest taking- <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could never or even our parents, you know, our parents uh whip with those cords, you know, those extension cords.
3: Yeah, you know? the extension cord. Or, or, or your mom would, or your mom was well, she'll cut a strap from a tree and you're crying while she's taking all the leaves out.
2: <laughs> yeah, and am preparing you for Preparing it. you. <laughs> <laughs> you this, dad, wait that I whipping you. So your dad, you, your dad whipped you guys a lot in Fresno? Uh, you know what, no. I really... Uh, I really never really had a father. Oh. He was an old guy who just came home at 8, 9 o'clock in the night, and that was it. We really never saw him, you know, until we moved here. When we moved here, he was already got. He got sick, and he had a, a, a heart attack, a stroke. Yeah. That was it. But I, I never played with him, nothing, nothing, you know, and uh, he used to make some good money, but we never saw none of it, you know, (laughs) we would go to uh, uh, church, if we went to church and we did okay, uh, they would take us to the bank, and they would go ahead and pick out a couple of pair of pants or some shoes, you know, that people give and then that we'd be all happy, you know. We would have to wear the same shoes, you know, because that's the way my father was. I had this lady, Mrs. Brown, uh, when I was young, my mom uh, in the project, she would, she would try to chase me to hit me. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Mrs. Brown, she would catch me from my mom and then... I hit me with a broom, and my mom used to let her do that to me, and she goes, you better listen to your mom, but um, I don't think she's living with us anymore, but she, if I would have died in Vietnam, she would have been the last person I ever seen in the project, because When I came home and I was getting ready to leave, I was crying because I knew when I got back, I was leaving for Vietnam that same day. And I was crying, and then she went with me all the way to the bus stop. The bus got there, and then she hugged me and gave me a kiss and said a little prayer and said goodbye to me. And that, you know, that's that's how close people in the projects were in those days, you know. And, and, and I mi- I still miss those days. I go down there once in a while because I have two little girls that live on the Lisa side. Yeah. And, you know, I go in like... For Easter, I right? took them to the Easter stuff, you know. So, yeah.
3: I remember one time, um I think it was Halloween. You were walk- you were dressed like Santa Claus. <laughs> It was you, you were throwing candies at everybody. <laughs> I was tripping out.
1: <laughs>
3: I said, because he, I was like, we're going sugar treat treating. And then he was dressed like Santa Claus. And he was throwing kids' candies at people. And I was like, wow, okay, we got candies now. But that's one thing about you, man. That's why I, I think I love you so much. And I look up to you to this day because um, if you guys don't know, when, um, when I, when, when I decided to be a, f- a comedian, it was inside your garage at Jackie Escalera, your son. Me, Rafa Moran, my brother, Angel Esparza, were inside the liber- inside the room. And um, J- Jackie just brought out a random, com- a random comedy album. It was um, B- Bill Cosby sleeping with my brother, Russell. And th- I-, I didn't even know. I never seen comedy before. But I remember... Listening to the whole thing, and it was late. It was like, almost was 10, I had to go home. And that was like profound for me. This motherfucker using profound. But <laughs> it really changed my, I, from then on, I heard the whole album. But let me tell you, Ray, up until then, you could have told me to tie my shoes, and i forget to tie them. <laughs> you could have told me math, and I forgot it. I know from that day on, that hour of comedy, I never forgot like i remembered it i quoted it i talked about it and it just stuck to me man and ever since then i wanted to be a comedian and and i finally am <laughs> yeah man and um i hope yeah man my dad never told me that uh he never told me like my dad's like hardcore you know like he will never like, he hasn't told me to this day how proud he has of me. But let me tell you, man, when you said that up on, on New Year's Eve, that made me feel real good, man. I was like, Ugh! I was like, I was listening to talk, and I was I was tearing up. And then you said, Felipe, you're number one because you're from the projects, fool. <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny, yeah. And to this day, man, I don't know. I'm glad that we all know how. Why you talk that way? Because growing up, I don't think I've met anybody that has ever said something that you said without talking like you. <laughs> I think there was a guy named Michael Oregon. Remember Michael? He had a brother named Fernie. It was an alcoholic. Fernie. He used to imitate you so well. And so did Paco, Titi's brother. <laughs> he used to go, Lither, Lither. <laughs> but never in front of you no, Those you, pussies Would never do it in front of you You, you, you
2: would be surprised By the <gasps> name they call me <laughs> oh, What did they call you? That, uh kickstand. <laughs> 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 you know when my leg I, When I had my leg You know was shorter. Right? Yeah So Derek Bill Oh Derek Bill Yeah And then he knew I ate with a spoon So he goes Go get your dad that silver spoon of his. He doesn't use, it has to be silver. And, and he would mess with me all the time, you know. <laughs> I, I, you know, I missed uh, you know. but, And then uh, once the guys started getting used to me, what they would do, because at that time, always uh, like a spit came out of my yeah. mouth. So it was like a Gallagher I, show. <laughs> so when I started talking, they would put something in front of the face, to, <laughs> so it would be all over the paper and not not the face. <laughs> but yeah, they would call me Sidewinder, there all kinds of stuff. <laughs> a bunch of profound yeah. names. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, yeah, the guys over there, the director, and they say. You know what? We, the glass needs to be water, Just how way walk around talking. Yeah, I get all done, done. <laughs> Cause so much, you know, at that time we'd come out. I c- had no control. took me a long time.
3: Mm. Used to walk around with a bib, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you on uh,
1: Eric and his underwear
2: in the street. <laughs> <laughs> he was underage. <laughs> <laughs> um. One day I, we went somewhere I don't know where it was We went somewhere and I forgot what TV they had Select TV or something On TV probably
3: It was, was it, ghetto yeah, cable
2: Yeah, okay, well that And we left and then we came home And all of a sudden I look at the TV And it's pouring on there And they turned it off, right? And, and they were all laying on the floor. And I tell them, get up. They wouldn't get up. <laughs> he didn't know why they wouldn't get up.
3: Because <laughs> they were up.
2: Okay. Yeah, they were up. <laughs> <laughs> Team jerk off.
3: <laughs> Team twist.
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> he was naked. Who? Pulled him, pulled him off. Oh, derek yeah. yeah he he got me mad, and I told he I told him tell me you can't catch me I, I grabbed his little butt, got all his clothes, threw him off, and threw him in the middle of the street and <laughs> <laughs> made him go pick him up, <laughs> 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 um.
3: Yeah, I, I remember um, Derek Beal and Lamont Repos. Yeah, um, these guys were pretty. Good, they were probably they were probably legends as far as athletics, man. Yeah, was Derek great. was a bad football player. I remember I would see Derek. I would, I would see Derek with his Roosevelt High School Letterman jacket, with a football player, and it had wings on it. And I say, man, I wish I had that jacket so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, we were, the Little Leagues, when we were talking about um, Little League with Rafa and them, and we always talk about the best baseball players that ever grew up, you know, in a pecan park. But those legends, bro. Like there was this guy named Boli yes. who could pitch like nobody's business. I mean, one time w- this Mexican team called Guaymas, they wanted to take him with them to Mexico to play. But I don't know if he, he, he didn't want to go. But then there was this other kid named Ruben Molina. Yeah. He was bad, bro. This guy was 13, and he, he hit the ball 400 feet, bro, above the pavilion. Remember that? Yeah. That was like the thing growing up. If you hit the bunch of the pavilion, you were the best. Yeah. yeah. I was bad, man. I struck out playing t-ball.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: so did you have a good time here, Ray? Yeah. Talking? Yeah, I had a good time
2: yeah we don't know if this
3: is gonna be a mem uh, a father's day special it might be a memorial day special we never know <laughs> i hope i want to thank you very much for speaking with me on my what's up Food podcast he's my friend on facebook people ray escalera vietnam vet soldier <laughs> yeah you want know yeah. to add you want to share yeah Let i want to share
2: something uh to all the people from Pico Alisa that I've known my whole life, uh, I'll never forget you. I hope all, everybody is doing the best they can in their lives. And as long as we have, you know, someone up there in heaven to, to watch over us, uh, we'll be okay. Love everybody from Alisa Pico. Right.
3: All right, people, that was Ray Escalera, my hometown hero, ladies and gentlemen, and Rodrigo Torres, what's up, fool? What's
1: happening? Very wonderful story, Mr. Escalera, it's a pleasure to be here, and also everything you did, man, it's a very remarkable uh, little tale, from the bottom to the top. Oh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Quick question, um, when you started, how, what did you think, like, what came to your head When you saw me on last comment standing and somebody told you, that's Felipe. Did you recognize me right away? No. No.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Do you know who I am now? Yeah. Okay. When I saw you at the beach, okay, I didn't recognize you. You were coming toward me.
3: I I came up to him like he was like Tom Cruise. Like, (laughs) for real, like he was walking with his wife. I said, (laughs) (laughs) Right.
2: Yeah, but once I seen him I, I knew who he was. I know who he was, you know. Yeah. I'm 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 hoping that you have a great life in and, and comedy and it continues to grow and go for you and your family. You know.
3: <laughs> yeah, man, so we got a couple of plugs here, people. I'll be at the San Jose Improv June sixth through the eighth. Brea Improv July seventeenth through the twentieth. You're welcome to come. The Brea Improv. If we um, Rhea Scalera. You want you you want to come to the show? We will, we will give you tickets to the show. You Lupita. Who, you where you want to bring and
2: where is that? At?
3: Brea is um how far is Brea from Pico Rivera? 20 minutes. Twenty minutes from here, minutes. After fifty-seven. Yeah, Google, your Japanese been there. Also, um, i get a couple of plugs. VoodooGlosco.com. They do the theme song. Felipe's Follow Rodrigo Torres on Twitter. Check out Wounded Warrior and donate. Wound, Wounded Warrior Project.org and donate. And this money goes to all, all of them, all the veterans. Come out there and if you guys ever see a veteran walking around, just shake his hand, man, and tell him Reyes Escalera sent you. <laughs> and if you guys are listening here in Afghanistan or somewhere on a ship, on a navy boat, somewhere, somewhere on, on somewhere on point, keeping guard. We love you. We appreciate you. Come home. Keep your
1: head That's up. Right. That's right. Come on home. Oh! Hey, hey, hey.